0: Do you? Do I have any unused gift cards sitting in a drawer somewhere? Oh, absolutely! I think everybody has the little, you know, <laughs> container
1: tray in their junk drawer, just full of ghosts of Christmas gift card past. What are we talking about here? Best Buy, like the Chapters, Ah, Sportcheck, mm. uh, Home Depot, like the local ramen shop we like. Like you, na- you name it. There's like a decent amount of cards in there.
0: Let's start this off by talking about how you can turn those gift cards into cold, hard cash because it is very important to all of this. There's a bunch of websites on both the clear and dark web for turning gift cards into money. But the one that we're gonna talk about because it comes up most in this story is called Paxful. Paxful. Paxful describes itself as a peer-to-peer platform for buying and selling Bitcoin. But the interesting part is that you can buy Bitcoin from other users using quote, 350 plus payment methods. And just shy of half of those payment methods are different kinds of gift cards. So if you've got a gift card to your favorite ramen shop on paxful.com, you can sell it to someone for Bitcoin. You got a gift card to Chili's, you can buy some crypto with it. Costco, Dell, Disney, IHOP, buy and sell crypto. Which, if you were so inclined, you can then convert into currency wherever you live. Kind of a gift card to cash pipeline. Most folks listening to the show have probably heard about like scams and grifts and social engineering hacks that end with the victim sending the scammer a gift card. Right. They're basically untraceable. They make a great medium for scams. They were kind of the medium before crypto, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Because once you've convinced someone that you are from the IRS, and the only way they can avoid a massive fine for back taxes is to send you 500 bucks in gift cards to Applebee's right now, it's very easy to turn those gift cards back into cash using sites like Paxful. But those businesses, Adidas, Costco, Denny's, somewhere deep in the bowels of their like finance departments, there exists a database. A spreadsheet essentially of codes strings of typically 25 like numbers and letters that correspond to some dollar value there's a whole system for generating those codes there's a system of accounts for testing them and the codes aren't worth anything until someone takes it turns around and hands it back to the company and says i've been told this is worth 20 dollars of stuff i'd like that stuff The company checks the database, confirms that to be true and lets that person walk out with sneakers or pancakes or in-app purchases. But just for a second, let's think about a person who works at one of those companies in the department with the big database of codes. Who finds like hiding in that system a button that says, make new gift card code. And they figure out a way to press that button anonymously and as many times as they want. 20 years ago, that person had found a button to create, you know, infinite sneakers or pancakes or whatever. And they'd get caught really quickly because they're stealing from the one place that takes the currency they're stealing. But that was back then, before sites like Paxful. Today, that person. With a little bit of automation, an account on Paxful and a crypto wallet, has basically discovered a button that prints money. Generate the code, sell it for Bitcoin, convert the coin to cash, buy a yacht. This is the story of Vladimir Kashuk, a former junior Microsoft engineer who found that button and kept pressing it until the bitter end. Here on Hacked i have i checked before we recorded i have 75 dollars to best buy and i think like four some like change left on a chapters gift card and I think that's it. I think I've worked through the rest of them.
1: Wow, good work.
0: Yeah. Good work.
1: I'm putting the time in, man. I think somebody else we need to give a shout out to is all of the hardworking scammer uh, payback people, like Kid Boga on YouTube and Twitch and Scammer Payback <laughs> yes, on YouTube. Yes, These people who literally have made a career just harassing the people that constantly harass us. Sure. I know, I know it's, it's black, it's cyber, cyber deal in black Friday season. And I've been considering changing cell phone plans, which I did do. And one of the big things I was looking for was the call confirmation. I don't know if you're aware of this, No. but essentially, essentially they have to confirm that they want to call you. So, so like all of those bogus auto dialer calls just get dead blocked. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, that's a great feature. Yeah, Sadly, like the, the thing is, is like, I've, Essentially stopped answering my telephone at this point. If I don't have your number in my phone, then I don't pick up because I just assume it's a scammer. Like I get so many a day, which is not great for business or otherwise, but it's just, you know, <laughs> for my mental health, I just have to not pick up my phone 73 times a day to hear, you know, the CRA is busting you or the IRS is coming for you or mm-hmm. whatever it is.
0: And it's always send us a pay card. <laughs> send us, yeah.
1: Android, Google pay, please. Target gift cards. Great. Yep. So big ups to all the, uh, all the scammer payback people out there you know, doing one for the team.
0: I do love those videos. Every so often the algorithm just sort of like, do you want to watch a, a person on the far end of a webcam freak out because they got hacked by the person they were trying to hack? I'm like, I do. I do, I do I want
1: to watch, watch that. that. Yeah, same. I, I enjoy watching those too. Load it up. So if you, if you haven't managed to have the algorithm feed you one of these things yet, I highly recommend very funny youtube.com slash kitboga K I T B O G A or Twitch. I think he's on Twitch as well. You know, one of the best, I think. His 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 harassment is next level. So <laughs> one of the greatest to ever do it. <laughs> the goat of scammer harassment. And I think I think he's actually famous in the scammer world at this point. Like these people know oh. who these people are and like they know when they're being played almost because he's so good mm-hmm. at it.
0: Which is so funny. Do you think that scammers seek out this is a total detour. Do you think that people that do scams try and seek out the people that take on scammers on YouTube almost as like a like the Olympics of doing scams? Like if I if I can get them. Maybe, maybe. If I can pull pull the rug over, or is it do you just want to be famous? Like I just wanna be on a, I wanna be on that stream. I wanna see if they can get me. <laughs>
1: I don't know I never thought about that (laughs) just like would I be the goat of scammers to scam the goat of anti-scammers I guess I guess maybe you would the highest profile target
0: the only way you can know if you're the true heavyweight is to take on the heavyweight that's right that's right so spoiler we're talking about all this because this all goes horribly wrong for Vladimir. Which is the only way that you end up with all of the court documents necessary to really get what happened here. Very briefly, as the court recalls from from the briefs, the fraud, alleged, then alleged fraud happened between November of 2017 and March of 2018. That is audio from an appeals hearing for his case. Vladimir has been convicted. That video is his defense attorney kind of sitting on a Zoom call with the prosecution and some judges trying to make the case for his appeal. And it is not going well. Here is one of the judges.
2: Let me, add, let me just say this, I'm sure you're a really good lawyer, but I'm sure that's not your best argument. What is your best argument?
0: It's <laughs> a clap pack. Just the, the ju- judicial form of a roast. Vladimir is currently serving a nine year sentence for the events that we're about to discuss. But what he did, and the way he navigated this weird system of non-currency currencies that gift cards sort of sit in the middle of, it's just very interesting to me. And with the holiday season approaching, this being a story about gift cards, I think very relevant. Volodymyr Kashuk was born and raised in Rivny Oblast in western Ukraine. Prior to coming to the US in 2015, just sort of a normal dude. Stays ComSign Economics at the university where his parents taught. Got, you know, kind of average enough grades. Austin Carr's really good investigation into this for Bloomberg, where I got a lot of my notes flags. Importantly, that he did get a D in risk management, which feels prescient to everything that's about to occur. <laughs> Appropriate. <Yeah. laughs> he comes to the States in 2015 for a wedding and immediately loves it. Takes to the Southern California sun. Decides to crash with his aunt and uncle, gets in touch with an immigration attorney, and manages to wrangle a job reviewing JavaScript for a small software firm. Valdemir had made his way into the American software industry. Kashuk's side hustle during this time when he first arrived is important for a couple reasons. First, it resulted in some of the only audio of him I was able to find uh, from some ads that he and his business partner made, and they are... Fantastic. Hi, world. This is Lee. In my previous, previous life, I was totally not happy, man. This would be my 10th cup of coffee by the day because I was a marketer in search engine optimization and my life sucked. Is it a crypto company? It sounds like a crypto ad. It's not. Searchdom.ai, whose URL is actually currently available for sale, we should scoop it up, was a automated marketing something. I don't quite know what service they were providing, but it had to do with automated marketing. And in this ad, we get to hear just a little, little bit of Kashuk. Hey your life doesn't need to suck anymore. There is AI automation that can solve all your problems. Oh my God, show me! There's no indication that this business had anything to do with what followed this business or his business partner. but. The company doesn't go too well. Search Dom is not like the big unicorn I imagine they'd hoped it would be. And Kashuk decides to pursue new opportunities. But this company does come up later. In August 2016, he ends up at a company that handled basically one contract. Development for the online store for a little company called Microsoft. Kashuk moves into an apartment in Seattle, works there for a while. And in 2017, he makes the transition from an external vendor to a full-time engineering position inside of Microsoft, which is really when all of this boots up. Good job. Yeah, no, he made it there pretty quick. As part of his job, Kashuk had the ability to create these uh, testing accounts for the Microsoft store. And there were a lot of limits put up around these testing accounts to make sure that nothing, you know, kind of dodgy happens with them. Basic idea is with one of these accounts in the store, you can go through an entire transaction to test every stage of it. You could buy, pick a thing, place basically unlimited orders, go through the whole process right up until we've shipped this to you, but the catch was it just wouldn't ship stuff to these testing accounts. So you could go through the process of ordering an Xbox, you can make sure it's possible to buy an Xbox, but at the end they don't ship you an Xbox if you're using a testing account. Right. But during that first year, Kashuk makes a discovery. A product that this limit didn't apply to. A product you could basically order unlimited amounts of. Because there was no physical good to ship. Right. Just a code for the system to generate. I think I see where this is going. (laughs) (laughs) He found the button, man.
1: I think that I think that's a like a like an ethical morality test that I, I wonder if all of us <laughs> took. How many of us would pass. Somebody gives you a button to just generate money. Can you can you restrain yourself? I think I could.
0: I think you could, but I think a lot of people wouldn't. I like to think I could. But what's interesting about this is that there's still a little bit of friction. Like he found the button, but the button, he's still pressing the button with his testing account. So he's found the button, but it's not immediately clear that he can press it without repercussions yet. He's found this way to basically generate very real gift card codes. It was this loophole in the system. Microsoft just hadn't planned for these testing accounts to test purchase that specific thing. But if you went through the process of buying one with one of these test accounts, they would give you a working code. And to your question about the sort of like morality test here, Kashuk does not report this. Of course. The other important thing here, and I brought this up earlier, has to do with the testing accounts themselves. Theoretically, if he generates a bunch of these codes on his account, it's really, really easy to figure out who is doing this. So he's found the button, but he needs to find a way to press it using a bunch of these different accounts. Kashuk and his coworkers would regularly hop back and forth between mock profiles registered using aliases with the Microsoft Store team. These accounts weren't supposed to be disposable, but it was really easy to make new ones. They weren't supposed to be swappable with other employees, but folks pretty regularly did. And at some point, I'll unpack exactly how we did it later. Kashuk manages to find a second vulnerability that really makes this scam click the way it ends up clicking and it was a way to access the login credentials of other Microsoft employees testing accounts. So now he wasn't just relying on people being kind of sloppy with these accounts and giving them back and forth. He wasn't relying on his ability to register new ones. He'd figured out a way to get access to other employees testing logins. And he starts amassing this database of these testing profiles. Kashuka's working from home that summer, and he starts building this, this kind of pipeline. He's routing all his internet traffic through Japan and Russia, and he's starting to place test orders using these different testing accounts for gift cards. I like
1: to imagine at this point that this has become his like full-time job. Like he's just kind sure. of sitting there barely doing his actual work, but just yeah. compiling the script and database of like, like he's probably still being paid, but he's being paid to like hack the company that he works for.
0: I think that's probably accurate. It's like he was a janitor hired to clean a building and in the basement he found a bunch of gold and he's just spent the summer trying to figure out how to sneak it out of the building. Yeah. Yeah. The process he builds immediately works. He's able to generate a $2,000 gift card anonymously. He does a test purchase, buys a copy of Microsoft Office for $164, and everything goes off like gangbusters. Ironically, that first purchase he makes, way early in this process, before the millions of dollars that would come of a copy of Microsoft Office, would also be the thing that led to his downfall. I was going to say,
1: let me guess, that was the the needle in the haystack. <laughs> they traced it all the way back to the first
0: purchase, and he'd registered it to himself. In January 2018, he decides to automate this process. He develops a computer program he named PurchaseFlow.cs. You punch in the denomination, you punch in the currency you want it in, you punch in the number of cards you want generated to those specs, and it would handle the whole thing. I think your theory that he is basically doing this as his full-time job uh, seems pretty plausible to me at this point in the story. If we look over at his listings on Paxful.com where he was going to end up selling these things, he operates under the username Grizzled Wolf. we can see how appealing he could make these gift cards for the people who he was then using to launder them into cash. Because they were free for him, he could sell them on this site at a massive discount.
1: Sure.
0: He was selling these things for like 55% off. He could generate them in any foreign currency. This was, as you've flagged, probably his full-time job at this point. So he was super fast to respond. He has like an online store where you can like choose your denomination and thing and then
1: pay 50 cents on the dollar and get a gift card for it. I could see how that would be an appealing product to make, but
0: also it's theft. Oh, it's completely theft. And it is unclear whether or not all of his customers know that this is theft, you should be able to intuit that someone selling this many gift cards at this kind of a discount is probably not totally legit, but he had a pretty big spectrum of people buying from him. So it's not clear that everyone knew they were buying from someone who had stolen these things. One of the other big players in the Paxful ecosystem who our, uh, our buddy Kashuk, AKA Grizzled Wolf was selling to was a user named Maku. Maku is a buyer-seller, claimed to be based out of China, uh, and he first reached out to Vladimir with a message that read, I need Euro 75. He ends up buying 300 gift cards from Grizzled Wolf, uh, worth on the open market about $30,000 at the time. Grizzled Wolf sells them to him for 1.98 Bitcoin, which was then worth about 17k. So this is a really, really good deal for Maku. They do this giant transaction anonymously at the time you didn't require identification on paxful back then and then kashuk just drops this giant copy paste of 25 digit codes like into their chat that's the whole deal maku turns around sells them off individually classic bulk buying retail markup setup it's like classic classic gift card arbitrage And this first gift card arbitrage a rousing success grizzled wolf and maku kind of go into business together decide they're going to increase the volume. They're going to try and scale this thing up. All in over the course of this, Maku and one other user on Paxful made up the bulk of Vladimir's sales over the next year or so he's in business. He sold these two accounts alone, roughly $7 million US and Microsoft gift cards over that time frame. Kashuk is amassing a fortune in Bitcoin throughout all this. He obviously has to find a way to launder it. He ends up using a Tumblr called Chipmixer. And in March of that year, Vladimir transfers $1.4 million from a Coinbase account into a personal Wells Fargo checking account. He does another million bucks in April, he tells his accountant the Bitcoins were a gift from his dad. And we're going to talk about the ways that he spent that money a little bit later. But slowly glitches are starting to emerge. He starts getting messages from folks saying that the codes they'd bought weren't working, some early signs of trouble gets a message from a high schooler, username named Absterbone, who bought a code, and when it didn't work, immediately called up Microsoft's customer service line, where they tell him that the number he bought, the one Vladimir had generated using this system, was reported as stolen. These are the first signs that maybe Microsoft is starting to figure somethings up. Mm. But Absterbone is not the only person to essentially narc on him to Microsoft. His number one customer, Maku, also calls up Microsoft after a giant batch of codes that Kashuk sold him turned out to be bad. Kashuk sends Maku a message that reads, quote, Damn man, you should not have sent this request to Microsoft. Send them directly to me. If they start tracking me down, I am going to bail. I was going
1: to say, that's always a a sign you're in business with somebody good. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Don't don't call
0: the people irresponsible. Call me. Don't call the people that make the thing. If they track me down, I'm going to run. You're like, "Um, you're going to bail from this legitimate business you're operating. Yeah, they were tracking him down in February 2018. Microsoft's um, fist department, the fraud investigation strike team, (laughs) noticed a massive spike in online purchases using gift cards because you could basically doubled the amount of codes that were typically being redeemed at any one time. He had totally messed up the curve. Well, wow, one person? One person had totally screwed this whole thing up. For a company
1: the size of Microsoft. Apparently. Yeah, I would assume it was like a rounding error for Microsoft, but maybe not. They must, that's good. It's good that the fist department exists and so that they
0: track that stuff. Strike Team Fist. <laughs> At first they designated it as probably coming from a bad actor outside of the company. They thought someone was stealing from them from outside Microsoft. Yep. But they pretty quickly discovered that the call is coming from inside the house. This is an inside job. So they decide to bring in the big guns. Wait, who, who are the big guns? Oh, we're going to get to the big guns. Oh. His discovery right after the break.
2: All you want is to meet your security and compliance requirements, but your business technology keeps changing. Cyber threats emerge every day. More regulations apply to you now than ever before, and your IT resources remain limited. The Center for Internet Security can help. At CIS, we work to create a safer world for people, businesses, and governments through collaboration and innovation. Using a community-driven consensus process, we work with IT professionals and volunteers around the world to develop and maintain security best practices. These resources save you time, money, and effort wherever you are on your cybersecurity journey. We also work with U.S. state, local, tribal, and territorial government organizations to share information with one another so they're stronger together. Join us today in creating confidence in the connected world. Visit cisecurity.org to play your part. All you want is to meet your security and compliance requirements, but your business technology keeps changing. Cyber threats emerge every day. More regulations apply to you now than ever before, and your IT resources remain limited. The Center for Internet Security can help. At CIS, we work to create a safer world for people, businesses, and governments through collaboration and innovation. Using a community-driven consensus process, we work with IT professionals and volunteers around the world to develop and maintain security best practices. These resources save you time, money, and effort wherever you are on your cybersecurity journey. We also work with US state, local, tribal, and territorial government organizations to share information with one another so they're stronger together. Join us today in creating confidence in the connected world. Visit cisecurity.org to play your part. All you want is to meet your security and compliance requirements, but your business technology keeps changing. Cyber threats emerge every day. More regulations apply to you now than ever before, and your IT resources remain limited. The Center for Internet Security can help. At CIS, we work to create a safer world for people, businesses, and governments through collaboration and innovation. Using a community-driven consensus process, we work with IT professionals and volunteers around the world to develop and maintain security best practices. These resources save you time, money, and effort wherever you are on your cybersecurity journey. We also work with US state, local, tribal, and territorial government organizations to share information with one another so they're stronger together. Join us today in creating confidence in the connected world. Visit CIsecurity.org to play your part.
1: I love how I love how it, it would be such a an obvious thing. To think that somebody had figured out a way, like a loophole in your online store to like do something. Mm. Like it seems like it would be an external hack, but I guess the internal makes just as much sense. They'd have even more access.
0: Yeah, it really depends how much trust you have in the system that you've built. Yeah, yeah. Well,
1: it's, and it's again, not knowing because I'm sure the system is quite comprehensive. It's probably pretty rare mm-hmm. for one single person to know the entire system. So it would be, you know, some external exploit could easily be doing something similar like i know that there's Mm -hmm. i'm trying to remember there was something recently that was like this that uh there was an external way to essentially get something free on a purchase
0: Hmm.
1: like if you bought if you bought one but had
0: looked at another one it would auto buy that as well oh interesting anyway it was clear that they had tried to put up some guardrails around these testing accounts they probably weren't worried about them because well they're testing accounts they can't actually complete transactions they're not the first place you look when in an unrelated department a bunch of gift cards seem to have been hacked. It's you don't immediately jump over to the testing accounts because, you know, they're just testing accounts. But the second mm-hmm. you, you make that connection, it becomes pretty clear, oh, we devised a system for generating unlimited purchases of physical goods that won't ship, but this is a product that is not shipped, it is generated. Yeah. It was only a matter of time until the big guns put two and two together. <laughs> But before we get to him, oh. it's the twilight days of Kashuk's Xbox heist lifestyle. How was he spending his money?
1: As I recall,
0: didn't he, uh, hadn't he purchased his, his new home? That's correct. But he purchased the new home. I mean, he apparently- uh, That's
2: a giant red
0: flag for the, for the investigative officers. This is true. Thus my comment on- And a Tesla. One point six seven five million bucks on a house on Lake Washington. Okay, real nice pad. Had a boat dock. Nice. Bought that in cash. Told the realtor again. He made his fortune in Bitcoin. Of course. Goes out and gets the uh, gets that that clean red Tesla Model S for a, a clean one hundred and sixty two thousand dollars. Nice. He's living the good life. But meanwhile, inside of Microsoft. March of that year, corporate investigators had traced some weird activity to two of the internal test accounts assigned to folks on the same team as Kashuk. Those two accounts alone had generated about $8 million in codes that were for sale on Paxful. So the Fist team turns those accounts off. But then a couple days later, another one of those accounts from the same team is suddenly draining gift card codes out of the system. This new account cleans out another $1.6 million in the 26 hours it was live. The investigators call up the people who these testing accounts are assigned to and they have earnestly no clue what is going on. Someone had clearly found a way to access these other people's accounts. Earlier in this whole hack, there was that moment when Vladimir figured out how to gain access to the accounts of some of his coworkers. Yep. And it's at this point that the investigators cracked how he was doing it. Microsoft used a program they named Fiddler. It was the system for filing bug reports, but it turned out buried deep inside it somewhere, there was a vulnerability in Fiddler for the testing accounts that were plugged into it. While we don't know the exact mechanism by which he did this, anyone with Fiddler access could theoretically work their way back to the login credentials of the other users on their team. Huge vulnerability inside of this piece of software. But suddenly this investigation team has a sense that, okay, it's clearly someone on this same team that is using the login credentials of their peers. Sure. They've narrowed it down to like the 10 possible people. So the fist team brings in a 15-year forensic investigator at Microsoft, a guy named Andrew Cookson. The big guns. Big guns. I was going to say,
1: and it takes him 25 minutes to realize that one of the team members has just bought a house next to Bill Gates on Lake Washington and is driving a brand new Tesla.
0: The next part of the story is he goes digging through the data. But I like to think before he did that, he looked out the window at the parking lot and was like, yeah, that car cost $170,000. It's that guy. Yeah. Cookson and the team go digging through all the data. I have to think what ultimately happened here is that before Kashuk decided to scale this into a multi-million dollar operation, way back in 2017, he was just kind of sloppier. One of Kashuk's actual testing accounts, one that's actually tied to him, had used the same glitch he would go on to use for tens of millions of dollars in transactions to buy some gift cards illegitimately way back in 2017. That initial purchase is what gets him on the radar. The thing that really cinches it for Cookson that this is the guy is that someone had used some of those codes from the hacked testing accounts to order three NVIDIA graphics cards. Those graphics cards were shipped to a made-up name in an imaginary unit that was importantly in the very real building where Kashuk lived. Kashuk gets a call from Microsoft asking him to come in. Andrew Cookson, the ex-Scotland Yard computer crimes investigator, would like to have a word. Did he bail? He did not bail, weirdly. Hmm. Go bag time. I would have thought it was it was go bag time here. There's this weird thing that I notice in stories about interrogations. It's kind of a pattern. And it's that folks who are confronted with wrongdoing will often admit to a much lesser version of the same thing they're being accused of. And I don't sure. really, I kind of get why people do this and I kind of don't. It's the like, yes, officer, I have had a couple drinks, but only a few. Like, they confess ish. On May 18th, Kashuk gets brought in and interrogated and immediately confesses ish. He admits to generating those 600 codes, but he says he was just using them to download free movies that he watched with his girlfriend. He had them printed out, he scratched them out as he went, watching movies. But a multi-million dollar heist using this exact same system, he would never cooks and asks him about the graphics cards purchased from microsoft with these codes and again he kind of like waffles on it yes i bought those graphics cards they were for mining crypto and yes i shipped them to that address but a made-up unit with a made-up name he doesn't he doesn't remember that part it seems it seems like it seems like it seems like yeah it seems like time to call your lawyer yeah Vol- vladimir doesn't get there immediately four weeks later microsoft fires him the thing that ultimately brings him down, though, is do you remember his startup from the start of the show, Search Dom? Yes. And you remember the first thing Kashuk bought with those codes, that that very first copy of Microsoft Office? He registered it to his company. <laughs> <laughs> Got brought down by Search Dom, man. Oh, my God. Lessons learned. Don't register your stolen software to your, your <laughs> new software company that you've just put an ad online with your face in it for these are these are day 1 lessons here. So how do we how do we go from like
1: I can't believe it took him 4 weeks to fire him, but like how do we go from him being fired to him being fully
0: blown out charged? I assume they've realized the the scale of it. It's about a year later, July 16th, 2019, and in the interim, Vladimir's gotten a new job. July 16th, he does not show up to that new job because he is sitting on his couch as federal agents referred by Microsoft raid his house.
1: Same house, I'm assuming? Same house?
0: Same house. Same house. For now. Still still on Lake Washington. Yeah. For now. We're about to find out what his plans were, though. During this raid, the agents find USB drives full of stolen 25-digit codes. They find crypto wallet keys. They find notebooks with relevant bank account inf- information. And importantly... They find a piece of paper titled, How I Will Manage My Next 10 Million. On that list, a $4 million home in Maui, a $1 million house in the mountains near a ski lift, that was a quote, as well as the final bullet point that reads, one yacht.
1: Wow. I don't know if he's looked at the price of yachts, but 10 million certainly not getting you a house in Maui, a house in Aspen, and a yacht. Yeah, I don't
0: know that you're picking up a yacht with change after buying two houses.
1: Yeah, like even 10 million, I think you're in like starter yacht land. Yeah, that's it. Like I feel like yachts are for the, well, y- yachts are for the, you know, the
0: the real, the the B billionaires. Which brings us all to the legal fallout of all this from that court case we've been kind of hearing clips from throughout. February 2020, Kashu gets taken to trial for identity theft, money laundering, wire and mail fraud. His defense argument in this is awesome. They argued in no particular order that Vladimir was generating these codes actually as an act of promotion and service to his employer. Oh, yeah, 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 nice. They argued that Kashuk figured that the more free stuff Microsoft gave away, the more popular Microsoft would be. So, Vladimir thought he was helping by doing this. It's a bold argument. I'm not going to lie. It sounds like he should have had Get Better Lawyers at the top of that 10 million <laughs> list.
1: Because I feel like that, that argument is a dead in the water.
0: Yeah, I would argue that should have been on the how to spend the first $10 million list. Yeah, lawyers in all capitals. <laughs> lawyers. Get really good lawyers. Then they argued that the list of how he would spend the next $10 million that they found in his house was just an aspirational mood board they argued that him stealing his coworker's credentials through fiddler was not actually identity theft because those accounts aren't a real form of id which is interesting but the prosecution had enough forensic financial proof to charge him they had traced the laundered crypto through to his bank account they had him on that alone but ultimately those codes that they found in his apartment the 25 digit gift card codes mm-hmm. that's really all the evidence they need because those codes prove that he had gener- he had come up with this system for generating those codes. The judge and jury found him guilty on all counts. He will have to make restitutions of around $8 million, and he will likely be deported when his sentence ends in 2027. Every day we're
1: given access to confidential information and systems in our jobs. Sure. And he just chose to use his for himself. And, you know,
0: he's Sounds like he got part of what was rightly coming to him. Sure. Yeah, so many of these stories are about people having kind of an idea, and this feels a little more like a person making a discovery. Mm -hmm. They discover this button. They discover the ability to get other people's credentials. They sort of just discover this whole gift card to cash pipeline laid out in front of them, and then they just walk down that path they've found, and it inevitably leads to the fist team Andrew Cookson and nine years in prison once you've started walking down that path.
1: I think it's, I think it's really just about, you know, all of the things that he did that tied it back to himself. Like, did he really Mm -hmm. honestly think that he would never get caught? There's a lot of hubris. I won't lie. Yeah. It feels like if this, like, I feel like if you're going to do any kind of cybercrime, you should assume that As you know, if the x axis is time, you will converge to as you proceed down time, you will converge to being caught. Like if he'd done one big bang and done, made two million bucks and never touched it again, yeah, maybe it would have disappeared if he'd never bought things for himself. You know, obviously that's Mm -hmm. a big no no. (laughs) Um, but (laughs) but yeah, so anyway, it just to me, it just seems like somebody who just maybe didn't have the thought to consider the fact that they definitely were going to be caught sometime as, as they, Mm -hmm. if they kept going at it, and it seemed like to go get to the point where, you know, there's an active investigation. I'm assuming he probably knew. I'm sure they talked about it with their department and to keep doing it. Mm -hmm. And then when you get the phone call to come in and have a conversation with the, the big gun,
0: you know, I, I don't know. And it's especially that moment in the story when, there's the two accounts he's been using and he generated like $7 million worth of these codes through the two accounts. They shut down both of those accounts on the same day. Yeah. Every instinct in my body is telling me, oh my God, the walls are closing in. And instead, he boots up another account and immediately drains $1.6 million worth of codes using the exact same process. That, that is not the behavior of a person that is lying low because the spotlight is shining right next to them. That's a person who's just forging ahead. You yeah, totally. And like the, the thing is, too, is that if, if they're at the
1: point where they're closing those accounts down, they're probably monitoring gift card creation and marking them all as stolen anyway. So they're pretty much useless mm-hmm. the second they get created. So, like, mm-hmm. why would
0: you? I, I don't understand the motivation there. Just greed, sheer greed. In court, one of Kashuk's defense's many fascinating arguments was that none of this could be theft because gift cards have no intrinsic value, they're not currency. Uh, the prosecution, I think, rightfully observed that for something that wasn't money, he sure had bought a house with it. <laughs> but I guess I'll kind of wrap up with this idea, which is that like, if you spend enough time reading about this, it does make you think about gift cards in a very weird way. Yeah. In their modern form. They're like a new invention. They sort of just popped up in the like late, late 1990s. They're not that old, even though they seem like they've been around in a drawer somewhere that whole, like forever. Companies love gift cards. Depending where you live, they can expire. Changes to service fees means they can just basically lose value while they're sitting there. The difference between the value of the purchase and uh, the difference between the value and what you purchase often goes unspent, all of which means they're basically free money for the companies that issue them. They've sort of famously been used to reduce tr- price transparency at different points in history. Uh, a little famous side story is in the mid-2000s, Microsoft's Xbox gift card system used a virtual point system rather than dollars, which made their actual value exceedingly difficult to keep track of. Yeah, of course. It's famous like tech drama where Walt Mossberg in 2006 calls Microsoft out saying that this point system they've engineered, is it's not just kind of difficult, it's fully deceptive. Took like 79 Xbox Live points to buy a song for your Zoom player, even though those 79 points cost 99 cents, but that point to penny ratio ebbed based on where you lived. It was all just very intentionally confusing and borderline deceptive. And now being used in every virtual
1: game currency ever made. <laughs> <laughs> Name me one game now that doesn't use some form of point or internal currency that is exactly probably programmatically
0: deceptive exactly so maybe the real social engineering hack here was gift cards all along (laughs) maybe the the (laughs) one argument kashuk's defense never made was the one they should have which is that this was really a robin hood type crime all along he was taking from the rich microsoft gift card department and giving himself a tesla <laughs> what a Robin Hood story. It's a, it's a classic Robin Hood story. <laughs> thank you to our new patrons on Patreon since the last episode. That's patreon.com slash hacked podcast. A great way to support the show. Morgan Vega, thank you. Jimmy, thank you for editing your pledge. It means a lot. And Alex, thank you very, very much. That's patreon.com slash hacked podcast. A great way to support the show. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for making to the end of another one. And we will catch you in the next one.